Blog Talk Radio. All power to the people, all power to the people. This is the People's Black Panther Party Radio. Um, the national chairman is Brother Yanger, a national director of operations, Sister Seven, and I'm the national chief of staff, Brother Robert War. And today we'll be going again into dealing with the mirrors I, which is the reflected empirical contradictions and perceptions on advanced agenda. One of the things we want to talk about tonight and the, the, the thing we want to address tonight is the need for community-projected emergency preparedness. My best example of this is Katrina. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. Why Katrina? Because this is a classic example of what happens when we take for granted government services and place the expectation and blame on them for not being able to take care of us. Hurricane Katrina made landfall off Louisiana coast on August 29, 2005. It hit landfall as a Category 3 storm with wind speeds as high as 120 miles an hour. An estimated of over 1,200 people died as a direct result of the storm, which also claimed a financial loss estimated around $100 billion in property damage. The devastating aftermath of Katrina exposed a series of deep-rooted problems, including the federal government's lack of response, difficulties in search and rescue efforts, and the lack of preparedness for the storm, particularly with regard to the city's aging series of levees, which led to the flooding and caused most of the damage. Katrina's victims were, as you know it, African-American and low-income in disproportionate numbers, and many of these lost their homes and faced years of hardship. Ten years after the disaster, when Barack Obama was president, he stated that Katrina uh, started out as a natural disaster and became a man-made disaster as a failure of the government to look out for its own citizens. So the reason why I think this is important, again, is because we talk about freedom. We say freedom, com- freedom knowing that we talk about freedom, freedom comes in- with inherent responsibility. So number one on our platform, the People's Black Panther Party platform, is we want freedom. We want the power to practice self-determination and to determine the destiny of our community and the black nation. We believe that black people will not be free until we're able to determine our divine destiny. So point number one on the platform implies us having control of our life course. Being in control of your destiny, a.k.a. self-determination, requires you to be held accountable for your well-being. Therefore, obligations to secure our future continuity of generational advancement requires planning on all levels. And I often say to people that we must look at our struggle and look at our advancement from a generational advancement perspective. So one of the key levels must include the preparation for community, uh, some sorry, for emergency circumstances. We all know as we generate around police brutality, in the event of a natural disaster, the first responders are police, firefighters, and paramedics. I'm not saying this in, um, in direct support of that model, but the price of freedom is accountability. Every action or non-action has a trade-off. We have to remember that. In taking control of our community, one of the areas having the least focus is home emergency preparedness. The sad part of this is emergency preparedness is an area that can be fully planned by each person on an average economic stability. As our chairman often states, we must practice accountable spending. 
So with me expanding on that, we have to get to the point to where we have the proper appetite for account- for accountability. And so that must be achieved. Again, if we don't have the appetite for accountability, then we won't practice accountable spending. So we have to, people, look at what we're dealing with and be willing to change our ways. And that willpower is the biggest aspect that we face in, in trying to come together and unify as a people. With all the levels of dysfunctionality that we place, we, uh, we, we deal with, that's the biggest key. And that's one of the things that we have to deal with, the appetite for accountability, because that's what it requires if you're going to address freedom. So currently the tie of abundant processed foods and the overability uh, of consumer comforts have cemented our dependency in a domesticated lifestyle. This condition is not just exclusive to black people. Our, our, our habitats are social engineered for mass production and constant consumer turnover. As a result of this abundance, the 7-Eleven access mentality has become the norm in all households across America. And let me say that again, the 7-Eleven access mentality, because basically we as a people half the time don't even know we want to eat because we have so many choices at the end of the day. You know, we're getting off work, going home, and then, and then we decide what we want to make, what, what, we should, what we're going to eat. So that means we didn't even think about the concept of preparation, just as it applies to eating your meal on, an, on a day-to-day basis. So if we have a hard time just trying to discuss and figure out how to prepare a meal at the end of, at the end of a regular day with no critical uh, mass issues or emergencies going on, you can imagine just how chaotic it is when we have to figure it out in the midst of not having the ability just to run up to the store, you know, five minutes away and purchase something and then go back home and throw it in the oven. So we have to evaluate the cons of this condition and start phasing in a more suitable means of addressing empowerment, and we have to start at home first. There should be a minimum of three levels of support when dealing with emergency planning within the household. So within the Black Panther Party, the People's Black Panther Party, what we talk about are the three Ds. And when it applies to the three Ds of infrastructure, these are defined design, and develop strategic emergency planning. So this includes, when we talk about emergency planning, this emergency planning, this includes three hours, three days, and three months. The three-hour area is your critical extreme condition. So you must have something prepared to be able to deal with extreme conditions within three hours. That's when something hits right away, and you have to just deal with it, hunker down in the condition, and be able to get yourself out of the immediate harm. And a lot of times from that standpoint, that may be three hours because just in, in our condition here in California, state of California, just think of there could be a major earthquake. Now, a major earthquake is going to rupture gas lines. It's going to impair roads so you can't cross roads. It's going to, you know, obviously possibly destroy foundations, destroy buildings, you know, rupture, like I said, gas lines, rupture water lines knock out electricity. So at least for a minimum of three hours, you need to be able to evade the direct impact zone and get, you know, to a safe area. So be prepared to be able to do that on foot because especially in a highly condensed populated area, you can't expect to be able to jump in a car 
and just drive out. Now, it may be feasible all depending on where you are in relation to the, uh, the you know, the epic center of the situation. But ideally, you want to be able to plan for three hours of extreme conditions. And then the other aspect is three days. Now, three days would be evacuating, evading, or what's referred to as weathering the storm. This is a situation where, you just, for whatever reason, you just it hit all of a sudden, and you're just going to have to hunker down and deal with the conditions for three days and go without, you know, it may have to go without uh, immediate access to food, water, uh, lights, electricity, and so forth. So when you're doing your emergency planning, and when I say water, I mean running water. So when you're doing your emergency planning, you have to prepare three days' worth of of a of a goods or three days worth of of uh, stuff equipment things that you supply the essentials that you will need to be able to deal with to deal with that kind of a condition, and then the last one will be three months, and three months is basically dealing with the sustaining during the disaster recovery phase, so that's three hours, three days, and three months. And now what I'm primarily going to get into is the concept of putting together. Um, a go bag, what we refer to as a go bag, to deal with the three hours and the three days. Three months would be a whole different lesson. But, again, when we refer to the three Ds as it applies to the infrastructure and emergency strategic planning, we have to define, design, and develop a plan, family plan, that deals with the three hours, three days, and three months. The emergency evacuation family plan should include multiple exit routes out of your home, neighborhood, and employment area, predetermined destined safety regroup locations that cover north, east, south, and west, location sectors within a 10-mile radius from your home or evacuation points. And the reason why I say that is, again, one of the things that we have to, we have to take, take in, in, in perspective is, you know, theoretically, you know, on paper, we're all you, you and your family may all be together when a disaster happens, but in real life, the practicality is you may be at work, you and your spouse may be at work, your children may be at school. So, as a family, you have to plan for how, as a unit, y'all will reconnect and be able to get back, you know, um, to a safe zone. And you calculate and you plan out a safe zone, and you want to develop one that covers the northeast west and south areas from the standpoint of you don't know where uh, the disaster may hit. So you have at least four pre-designated determined areas that y'all are going to rendezvous and regroup at within a family. And this also is going to require you to be able to read a map. One of the things we take for granted as a people is a paper map. And I suggest we develop a paper map that details key points for shelter, water, and possible routes for walking and traveling. And the reason for that is because we don't know what type of disaster you're dealing with. So now within your go bag, and we'll talk about that, is you want to not have to rely upon electronics, at least for your essential aspects. So when it comes to being able to locate point A to point B, you know, have a paper map. Better yet, if you or really gun ho about this, then you would just literally plan it out and create exercise routines on how to deal with it and how to get from point A to point B so you wouldn't even have to rely on a map. 
Now, focus will be on the basics of a bug-out bag. A bug-out bag should address three hours and three days. That's the thing about this bug-out bag. All right? So what is a bug-out bag? A bug-out bag is a backpack containing everything you need to sustain off the grid in event of emergency. A good bug-out bag has enough food, water, and supplies to last for three days. If your bug-out location takes longer than three days to reach, by foot, in worst-case scenario, you may, you may need to be able to supply more items in that bag to last. But then again, the more you put in there, obviously, the heavier your bag is going to be. So you have to keep that in mind, especially as it applies to uh, women and children, and, and as well as elderly, obviously. So you should store your bug-out bag in a, a good location where you can grab it, typically like the corner of your bedroom, uh, somewhere near a door, and a rule of thumb is to make sure you unpack and examine and refresh your, your gear every six months or at least once a year at a minimum. And I would plan on remaking the uh, bug-out bag list every year to remind yourself to check supplies and see what should be replenished or, or if there's better gear that can come out that you can afford. Now, as it applies to this, keep in mind, we don't like to prepare and typically prepare and plan for natural disasters. You have to realize statistics say that at least 40 to 45 percent of the American households across the board do not have a plan in place to deal with disaster preparedness. So this ain't just in the black community. Literally, 45 percent of Americans are not prepared to deal with natural disasters. So that's a huge percent of the population right there in the event that there's major catastrophes that happen, which is why also you had such a high number of deaths within Katrina. Now, without me going into all the other conspiracy and other aspects of that, let's just stick with that. The fact is there was over a 1,000 people that lost their lives as a result of being hit with a situation like this, you know, us being unprepared. Again, dealing with a flood, you know, is – even having a bug out bag, the bottom line is you have to be able to get away from high rising waters. So if you couldn't swim, a lot of people lost their lives as a result of drowning. Then again, a lot of people evacuated to the dome. And when they did that, what happened there is a lot of the elderly didn't have medication, which is one of the items we cover in the bug out bag. And not having your medication, you have to flee your home real fast. A lot of people are dealing with life support medications that they weren't able to bring with them because of their their need to just evacuate right away. Then have time to grab, you know, run into the bathroom, grab this, run into the bedroom and grab that and try to put some things together real quick. They just had to go. You know, other people were just not at home at the time of the incident, so therefore they didn't have their medication with them. So I would even recommend keeping maybe an essential bug out bag in your vehicle. Your you know, whatever you use to drive back and forth to work. That way, wherever you are, you got your supplies with you. Now, obviously, children at school ain't going to have that, that same level of benefit. So we have to take these things in consideration, and let's be realistic. But from a practical standpoint, there's no reason why you should not be able to have a bug-out bag at the house and then have one in the car, period. So we have to look at it that way. And ideally, the scenario would be that we prepare as a community 
So right now I'm really addressing just trying to make sure that we're not so codependent on our government, so dependent on emergency services that in the event of another failure, an epic failure like what happened with Katrina, then we're not stuck in a position where so many mouths of people lose their lives simply because they're waiting for help, whereas the things that they needed help with are some things that could have been basically covered within a, a bug out bag. You know, again, having adequate medication, having adequate food, having adequate water to, 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 for you to sustain yourself for three days. And water being the most important of them all, obviously. You can go three days without food. But three three days without water is a whole different story. So we'll cover that aspect in the bug out bag because, I, you know, it, it, you may obviously to try to carry three days worth of water is impractical. So we'll cover what you need to deal with in that kind of scenario. But nonetheless, the bottom line to this whole situation is we have, as a people, have to take a, a better look at ourselves as it applies to emergency preparedness. We have to realize that this is something we got to take serious. Again, we talk about being a self-determined people. This is what we practice and preach within the ranks of the People's Black Panther Party. So being a self-determined people means you have to hold yourself accountable as a person as it applies to your, your self-determined and your ability to be able to uplift yourself. So when we say black power or black empowerment, we're referencing the aspect of being in a position, being in a condition of, of wanting, again, going back to that appetite of wanting to do better, wanting to be in control of the conditions of your community and your well-being. So with that, as a mindset, you cannot go into that mindset and not do the basic essentials of developing the home front for to prepare for emergencies. These are things that we know are going to happen. Regardless of what Trump says, climate change is real, people. And it's only a natural tendency that the earth will, un will un endure changes in, in extreme weather conditions. With these extreme weather conditions, obviously come situations to where our normal day-to-day -day, uh, routines will be interrupted. So we have to realize that. So in understanding that our routines will be disrupted and understand that there's situations that have caused us to deal with extreme conditions, extreme uh, survival situations and things that will take us out of our normal zone of comfort, why not just put together an essential bug out bag and be able to address this? Because you can weather the storm, people. A lot of these things are, are simple. And I would even go as far as saying if we are dealing with certain types of economic hardships, as long as we got a decent roof over our head, as long as we can save money and, you know, a little bit, then just purchase these things piece by piece and start piecing your bag together. It's way better to have some things than to have nothing and not be prepared at all. You'd be surprised. So with that, let's just kind of go into the first elements that we have to deal with within the bug out bag. First and foremost is obviously a high-quality tactical backpack. You've got to have a decent backpack. So when we say high-quality tactical backpack, we're referring to a type of backpack that will um, basically type of backpack that allows you to 
have different compartments, not just one of these uh, cheap school bags, but a backpack that has, you know, multiple compartments that you can actually place different types of gear in across the backpack so that you can organize it in such a way to where you know where to go for your first aid, you know where to go for your immediate type of supplies that that you will need, you know, depending on the type of situation that you're dealing with. So it's real good to have a tactical backpack. Also, these backpacks, you know, again, they have more compartments and they're more sturdy, they're weatherproof, weather-resistant, and built to last and rugged. So you got to have something like that because if you don't have a good backpack, you know, you may, your supplies, again, may get wet, may get damp, they may, it may fall out, they may not be able to keep up with you in the midst of dealing with the hardship as you take off running, jumping, climbing, whatever you might have to do. Throw the bag down, pick it up. So you just need something that's going to be sturdy. That kind of should be common sense. First aspect to deal with in that backpack would be food, which I refer to as three days of rations. Now, what I talk about when we when you talk about rations, and you got to keep in mind now, you're trying to squeeze three days worth of materials in a backpack. So one of the things that I always recommend are your type of like um, your calorie bars. These are like the kind of bars that you can get for what, what used to be referred to as like sea rations in the military. These are basically just high calorie, high energy bars that are designed to basically just sustain you. So they don't taste good at all, and it's not meant to be a meal for something that you would eat for extended periods of time. But what they will do is they get you, it'll get you by for three days. And I would even say you can go up to two weeks on these things. What the deal is is you can get like a, a small brick of, of, of ration food bars, calorie bars, and that literally only takes up, you know, maybe a pound in your backpack, a pound or two, and that's it. And it's a, and it's small and condensed. So you can get these, and they'll last you for three days. So that's really a, a big thing. And I, I people ask me all the time, well, what do you think about having canned goods? The whole thing with canned goods, I think canned goods are more reserved for when you want to plan for your your three-month supplies within your household which, again, we're not really going to cover that today. But the deal is is canned goods are good for, for, for shelf storage when you want to deal with your, your, your three-month your three long-term storage because you want to have, at that point, you want to have variety. At that point, space is not so much of an issue because, you know, you can have pantry storage and so forth. But when it applies to having a bug-out bag, uh, you're pushing it if you want to go with canned goods just because of your limited amount of space. But, again, you know, each person – design this bug out bag around them, around what, what feels good and what they can carry. But I personally wouldn't go with canned goods, but you possibly can. It just depends on your scenario. So everybody's a little bit different. And I was also understanding that canned goods are going to weigh way more. And then I would say have a 32-ounce bottle of water with you because we definitely need to make sure we have enough water to drink. But 32 ounces of water is not going to sustain you for three days. It can possibly because some water is better than no water. But with that being said, our biggest deal is to have water filtration. So you can get these things called life straws. What a life straw does is it has a micron filter that filters out the bacteria and impurities of water 
And from that standpoint, if you come across any water source that you may feel is, uh, you know, in normal conditions, you wouldn't drink out of like some kind of lake or something. You got this this uh, life straw, and from that standpoint, you can fill a container or a canteen, and then you can still use this life straw to drink that water, and you make that water um, drinkable. So you, it is sustaining. So to me, that's that's the, the the deal. You bring 32 ounces of water with you, and you stretch that out as well as you have a light filter. And then I would also recommend a good, uh, a little small condensed cooking set like stainless steel, a little small uh, cooking utensil set. And this is from the standpoint of if you're in a position where you have the ability to hunt or come across, you can do it, come across something that, that you are able to cook and prepare in addition to your ration balls. Next thing here we have to deal with is uh, light and, and warmth. Obviously, the biggest element of that especially when you're dealing with 72 hours, is you need a flashlight. And I would, at this point, not even talk about a flashlight with extra batteries. You don't want to get something that just takes batteries. You get one that has a built-in rechargeable battery that's solar and hand crank. So these kind of flashlights you can buy at Walmart or uh, any place where you can get emergency supplies. You can go to Amazon and get all kinds of stuff. So they make flashlights that have a built-in hand crank and solar and these flashlights have a built-in USB to allow you to be able to charge your phones and your electronic devices. So you get a hand, you, you get a flashlight like that, and it serves multi-purpose. And then these flashlights typically can illuminate, you know, in low mode. In low mode, they can illuminate for 12, 13 hours. So you can also use it to, to you know, illuminate your area during darkness. And then I will also recommend glow sticks. Just drop a few glow sticks in your backpack. Get you some waterproof matches, uh, waterproof, you know, a waterproof, windproof lighter, and a mag possibly a magnifying glass so that you can start a fire. I would grab a couple of flares, throw those in there. Make sure you have some hand warmers or foot warmers, an emergency blanket, and oh, good the thing about emergency blankets, emergency blankets are definitely a plus because what they do is they basically reflect heat. And so you, from the emergency blanket, you throw that on if you don't have adequate clothing to be able to endure just, just you know, extreme weather conditions of a low temperature, that helps hold heat within your body. Also, emergency blanket can serve many multiple purposes, like for trying to extract water in the desert or dealing with re re reflection, all kinds of little things you can do with emergency blankets to help uh, use it, you know, for other than just wrapping yourself up with and if you can afford to, in terms of space, you know, hanging at the bottom of your bag would probably be like a sleeping bag. And then have a uh, compact tent. Now, you can buy compact tents on Amazon for around $20, $25, and these are the tents that are kind of made with the same, some of the same reflective material that an emergency blanket has, and it literally can be squeezed into the size of a, like, little tennis ball or three-set tennis ball tube. So we do talking about some super compact tents that can hold one or two people. Now, mind you, these ain't the most comfortable tents, but these are the kind of tents that will shield you from an extreme condition. And it shields you from the environment, and also it retains body heat. And that's exactly what you need. You know, the idea here is we're not planning for a nice, fluffy camping trip. But what we're doing is we're basically creating a bug-out bag to, to, get, to allow us to get by 
with the basic essentials and things that we may need to sustain ourselves for three days. So that's super important. Bear with me just a second, people. All right, the next thing is clothing. Always and only makes sense to bring extra clothes, but be mindful of what kind of clothes you bring. Obviously, you want to bring some sturdy type of clothes. I would always recommend long sleeve because it's easier to roll up your sleeves than it is to try to find extra clothing in the event of, of dealing with cold. So I would always bring that. So bring, you know, long sleeves, long pants, um, a beanie, and beanie slash ski mask. To me, a ski mask is better. You can always roll it up and just make it a beanie, possibly a baseball cap, and a handkerchief. Good pair of tactical gloves and a tactical belt, poncho, small sewing kit, and definitely have hiking boots. So these are the things that you just kind of maybe maybe even want to pack the boots just kind of like next to your bag in the event where you just want to grab that and go. So I'm not saying you necessarily need to put this stuff in your bag. You just have it near your bag because you can always, you know, take off running and change as you need to while, you, while you're dealing with your situation. But definitely have a good pair of boots and a poncho because a poncho, just like, just like your emergency blanket, can be used for multiple types of uh, situations. And so you want to have that. The next area of focus, I would say, would be your first aid, because you you should have you definitely have to have a first aid kit. Now, the deal with in, in dealing with first aid is, again, this is something that you want to tailor according to your situation, according to what you feel is good in regards to dealing with emergency uh, your your bug out bag. But I would recommend a star a, a large, medium, and small bandages, some antibiotic ointment, some burn cream a thermometer, and I would get one of the old school kind, not one that takes batteries, some tweezers, some blood stop powder, eye drops, crazy glue. And a lot of people may not know this, but crazy glue is very effective in stopping wounds. And it was actually it was actually used in the military often. And if you have a large open cut, you can use crazy glue to seal that. So that's actually a real good thing, as well as using crazy glue, you know, for other various projects you may you may need to deal with as it applies to whatever extreme situation or circumstance you may come with in, try, in trying to improvise and build, uh, you know, traps for dealing with food or traps when dealing, you know, trying to deal with trying to catch animals, wild game or whatever, or just survival things that you may need to put together. So crazy glue can come in various, you know, have various uses. Some pain reliever, definitely. A lot of y'all may need, we may need some allergy medication, some surgical gloves, Medication again, when you, especially when we're talking about those of us that are, you know, um, either dealing with the elderly or those of us that's dealing with, you know, whatever type of medical conditions. Like the the, the number one thing that's hit, hitting black people would be diabetes. You know, having medication that you that would help you sustain yourself and and not cause you, you know, to be a, a victim of not having that medication in a time of a, a crisis. You know, maybe some multivitamins are a real good thing to have as well because, again, dealing with those calorie bars or just dealing with the stress and trauma of enduring a a um, a crisis for three days, you're not going to get the proper nutrients. So some vitamins are a real good thing to have on that. 
Nail clippers is good. I personally have a pair of wire cutters in my bag because you can use those to cut your nails as well as to cut wire to, you know, bend and mold to make traps. So I just use wire clippers, but the same point. Some lip balm. You definitely want to have lip balm with you. And that's not just simply for your lip, but any anything that you're dealing with, with, with your the drying of your skin at, at certain points, you want to have something that you can moisten that up with. So I would say lip balm or some Vaseline. For your toiletries, if at all possible, a toothbrush, toothpaste, and those are super easy to come by. Obviously, get a travel little toothbrush, toothpaste kit, some cotton swabs. You can get that to come in with that. A little uh, brush or comb, possibly. Some lotion or some shea butter. You know, have something like that. And I would even say some hair ties. Good thing about hair ties, again, this can be used to help make snares or traps. So it's not just for your hair, but you can use it to, imp- to make improvised tools. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. And what you want to be able to do with your kit is make sure that you are able to look at everything as possibly having multiple purposes. The whole point is that the more you can utilize the same item for various different uh, techniques and various different uh, applications, the better off you are. And that's what you are definitely going to have to be able to practice when it comes to home preparedness with your family is realizing, hey, we can take this one item and use it multiple types of ways. And that's, that actually makes a good, fun family practice to think of how many different uses for specific items that you can come up with within your family. And so that's a good way to also get you prepared on the uh, in the emergency condition. Because keep in mind, when you're dealing with a trauma-type situation, a lot of times it's hard for us to think and focus and especially to critically think. So the more you practice, being able to deal with these type of situations, the, the naturally to come, and therefore you won't be in panic mode because, you know, there's cases where people go into panic mode and they just run right off and even forget to pick up their their go bag. So what good is a go bag if I was so inundated with, you know, with being unprepared in terms of just uh, stress and, you know, panic setting in, that I just run right up out the house and don't even grab it. So we got to understand that people, you know, tend, tend to respond differently in the crisis situation, especially when they hadn't trained themselves to deal with it. So it's always a good practice that we train ourselves to deal with, you know, just basic concepts of, of, a, of a crisis. That way, even when our adrenaline is running high, we automatically go to our go bag. We automatically go to our uh, plan A in terms of our escape routes, you know, and, and our rendezvous points. We know what to do. So just keep that in mind. So these are the kind of things that we should practice as a community as well. And obviously from me saying that, saying that, that is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for the community to be prepared because if the community is not prepared, then what happens if just a few people are prepared, then a lot of times, obviously, you, you take a ride situation, then you get you get inundated with, you know, or, or now you have to deal with your next-door neighbor or deal with other people that are not prepared trying to come after you because you got you prepared. So, you know, it's one thing to have a go bag and to try to be able to, to get out and you be the one that's actually good and ready. But if everybody around you, you know, is in a situation where they hadn't prepared themselves, then you, you kind of make yourself a target. You and your family become a target because y'all are. You know, you have those folks out there in, in these kind of situations where they didn't have anything but a gun. Now, they got a gun. You got a backpack. 
and you looking like you ready, you know, you built for the situation, you chilling, and they got a gun. Now, they know one thing. I got a gun. I'm going to take what you got. Now I'm prepared. So, you see, this doesn't work in the sense of a whole, you know, community-level disaster if you're in the midst of something and those people around you are not prepared. Because not only now do you have to deal with the elements of the weather, of, of the natural force, but now you have to deal with the elements of your own people that may be coming after you. Because trust me, when people are in panic mode, and we saw this personally when we went down and dealt with Katrina, which is why they had to send in the National Guard. So when people go into panic survival mode, it's, it's, it's every man for themselves a lot of times. When you're not prepared, that's the, that's the mentality people have. And so we want to try to do our best to avoid that. Again, if we're talking about our people being in the condition to where we're dealing with self-preservation, we're dealing with self-determination, then self-determination means that you don't have to go kick back to survival mode to where it's a, it becomes dog-eat-dog. Dog. We don't want to go back to that level. We want to be prepared and be able to endure situations as a community. Same thing going way back in time in terms of uh, the 1900s, Black Wall Street, you know. Obviously, we couldn't be prepared to get bombed, but from the standpoint of the aftermath of what took place, you know, keep in mind, they came into homes, they bombed homes, they went from house to house killing folks. It's all kinds of things. But, again, preparing for an emergency may go beyond just dealing with our bug out bag, but it could just be dealing with dealing with it from the community level. Hey, we are preparing ourselves for, for the onslaught of whatever may happen. And living in that during that time, you know, it was it was a norm that the Ku Klux Klan would try to come burn down people's houses. So even going back to uh, the aspect of what the Black Panther Party had to do in the 60s in terms of fortifying their fortresses, when the police would try to come in and shoot out with the Panthers, there were some there were some chapters that fortified their their their, um, their facilities, which allowed them not to be killed. You know, when you had these sporadic police shootings into headquarters. So the whole point is preparing for emergencies no matter what they are, but thinking, you know, just thinking out the box and just trying to prepare in general because it's better to be preparing for something than not preparing at all. And when we talk about generational advancement, that means that we have to look at things from the worst-case scenario to a certain degree. And I'm not trying to necessarily make everybody a long-term prepper. That's not necessarily what this is about. But what I do want to do is put on y'all's minds the super need for us to deal with emergency preparedness, even at a basic level. That's why all we're talking about right now is just putting together a go bag. You know, that's just three hours, three days. That's simple. You know, you spend, uh, when it's all said and done, you spend, you may spend a few, a few hundred dollars, but, Nonetheless, now you have something that can sustain you in these type of crisis situations and is way, put you in a way better advantage than it did when you didn't have nothing at all. Trust me, a way better advantage. And then it's something that once you're done, you can put it in the corner and you, for the most part, don't have to worry about it for a while. So it's not like this is a, a, an investment you got to make every month. This is things once you got your bag together and it's, and it's, and it's good to go and and if you can afford to, again, have one at the house and one in the car, you're straight. 
You don't have to worry about that. Obviously, one for each one of your family members, or if you're able to condense yours for two people, like I said, when you're dealing with the elders or dealing with the children, that's that's all the more obviously part of the family planning. But the bottom line is we have to be able to put ourselves in a position to where we're thinking about this, put ourselves in a position where we're doing what we're supposed to do, and as it applies to dealing with being a self-determined people, we take accountability for what we what we want to do. We take accountability for our freedom, and, again, freedom comes at a cost, that cost being that you have to put in a little work. And all I'm asking now is that we move in the direction of being a self-determined people. And moving in that direction means putting together basic things that applies to having you go back and being able to deal with natural disasters. Another area, one of the most essential, obviously, areas that you have to deal with when it comes to putting a bag together will be communications. Now, we can't necessarily rely on a cell phone. Why? Because cell phones are tied to cell towers and, and must receive signals. In a crisis situation, believe it or not, if you have a, a situation where a, 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 a large area is impacted, everybody goes to try to use a phone at the same time, circuits are busy. If too many people try to use a phone at any given time, the circuits are busy. The cell phone could easily be compromised in a position where you just can't use it. This is why we always recommend a dual band five watt radio. This is just your, your ham your ham radio uh, that you can pick up at your uh, your amateur radio store. A lot of us ain't ain't bothered to learn what it means to have a ham radio or learn ins and outs of walkie talkie of having a, a operating a walkie-talkie even for that matter, but we, we need to because from an emergency standpoint, these, a radio communicates from radio to radio, so it doesn't rely on any external equipment. Now, obviously, if you want to take this to a higher level, then you can start dealing with repeaters, and then when you have repeaters, you're using ham radios and you got repeaters, now you can travel across great distances, hundreds or even thousands of, of miles with, with these ham radios. And this is how cert teams and this is how emergency preparedness and first responders operate. So it's always a good idea. And to me, it's a must to have a ham radio. And with that being stated, I recommend everybody getting their operator's license. But in a crisis emergency situation, if in the event of an emergency, you have the ability to use that radio to, you know, respond and call for emergency. Otherwise, you use that radio. It serves for you to have communications, receive communications, and and know where to get help or know where to go and know what's going on in terms of how how is the disaster being covered, is, is how soon help is going to get your way, come your way, and so on and so forth. So ham radio to me is the absolute must in terms of having in your go bag. And then I would even say having you a waterproof notepad and pencil a uh, power stick to charge your, you know, for for battery charge, and again going back to the multi-purpose flashlight that I talked about earlier, you can have one of these hand crank power banks, or you can have a power bank, so solar, you know, a solar power bank that, you know, at that point can recharge, and now you can, you know, you be able to recharge, charge up your devices, charge up your uh, your your ham radio as well, and then if you have a cell phone, and the cell phone does happen to have a signal, now you have something that you can charge that up with as well. And with that being said, I would recommend having two to three 
you know, charge set, charge cables. Don't just rely on one because it may break. So you you know, once your cable breaks, the phone lets you unless you have one of those kind of that they will charge wirelessly and you have that kind of setup. Your phone is no good if you don't have any cables to charge your phone with. So keep that in mind. I would even have a whistle I would add to my communications also. And now moving into another area that we got to keep in mind would be your protection. Dealing with this, I would have a pocket utility knife, some razor blades, a survival knife, and let me elaborate a little bit on that. Now, a pocket utility knife is one of those pocket knives that has, like, scissors, it's file, it may have a little saw blade, uh, a straight blade, it may have a, a Phillips screwdriver, it may have a flat screwdriver, it's a multi-purpose little, a little uh, utility knife. You definitely want to have one of those because, again, that'll help you deal with putting things together that you may need while you're in the midst of dealing with your crisis situation, especially if you're out and about in a wooded environment. So that's always a good thing to have is your utility knife. And now the difference between that and a survival knife, a survival knife is going to be more, is, is going to be more, typically it's going to be obviously a longer blade, usually around a six-inch blade. It's going to have a, that the base of the handle itself is going to be hollow. A lot of times within that base, it, it may have like a little fishing line, um, some hooks, some matches, a few things of, of, of emergency survival supplies within itself. A lot of times it may have a compass on the, a, a compass, I'm sorry, on the top handle of it. You also can empty those those items out, and now with that hollow shaft, you can you put it on the end of a stick and you can make a spear. So there's all kinds of things you can do, but a survival knife is definitely something I would have. So I would have those two different types of blades. And then I would have a safety, definitely need to have a safety windproof goggles. That's one of the things you also got to keep in mind is the your eyes is a mucus is mucous membrane. If you're dealing with extreme conditions like how we would deal here in California where you may be dealing with a, a wildfire, you need something to protect your eyesight. With that being stated, you need a dust mask, and then I would say a gas mask, protective gas mask. One of the biggest things people don't think about in terms of fires, especially wildfires that, that hit people all of a sudden and you're in an emergency crisis situation, is not the flames that kill people, it's the smoke. And what we don't think about is the fact that smoke suffocates. So I may be able to, I may grab my bag and I may be in a situation where, shoot, I'm, I need to be able to deal, get around this fire. Well, the fire may not necessarily be coming your way, but because of the direction of the wind, it may be blowing toxic smoke your direction. And that toxic smoke, again, can suffocate you. So you may not even be in direct line of the fire, but you're in a situation where you need to evade the fire and you need to be able to eva evade the path of the fire, and you may be inundated with smoke. So being inundated with smoke means that you have a, there's a strong potential that you may now suffocate if you're not prepared properly, as well as you have to think about smoke also causes your, going back again to your eyes, your, your, your mucous membrane, your eyes, your eyes get inundated with the smoke, and now you can't see. So here you are coughing, and you can't see, and you're going you're gonna to run into something, and before long, you're just going to suffocate because you don't have what it takes to be able to get away from that kind of toxic condition. You got a protective mask with you. You don that protective mask. Now you can breathe. Now you can give yourself a few minutes to rationalize and see what's actually going on and actually plan your escape properly. 
instead of running blindly into the midst of fire because you got to close your eyes and cover your mouth and just hope for the best, which is how a lot of people have died in fires because they don't have a way to deal with the toxic fumes and the smoke, which is going to, you know, penetrate your, your, your face and cause you to have to close your eyes and, and cause you to be coughing extremely until you get to a point to where you're choking out. So you don't you have a limited amount of time that you can respond and react to uh, an, an engulfing fire like that. So that's one of the things a lot of people don't think about. But you got that protective mask, you throw that protective mask on, it's take you less than 10 seconds to put the mask on, take less than 10 seconds to put that mask on, then now you can deal with it. So that to me is a super essential thing, and it's a mandatory must that you have that in your in your in your bag. And obviously, you need one for every family member. A folding shovel, folding shovel is a uh, is, is a essential tool that comes in allow basically allows you to do all types of things when it comes to an emergency situation. So I always recommend having a folding shovel, pepper spray, bird grade pepper spray. Now, because if you're dealing with an, uh, so you know, like again in California, there's a lot of woods out here. It's a a lot of a lot of us will try to hike it and and get to high ground or get away from the heavily populated areas. Situation like that means you may have to go out into the wild. You go out into the wild now, you may have to be dealing with the elements of the wild. So when I talk about pepper spray, we're not talking about something that you think you're gonna have to, you know spray into another another man's face in terms of just dealing with someone coming at you. We're talking about something that's going to get a deal with a mouth line, deal with a wolf, you know, coyote, or, you know, even a bear, so to speak. So you want to just have you some, some bear-grade pepper spray. And then I would also recommend a 22 caliber pistol and then 500 rounds, as well as a pellet gun. Now, you can have, you can carry a 22 caliber pistol and 500 rounds in your backpack, and that's not that's not adding, but you know, roughly five, six, seven pounds at the max in your backpack. But we're talking 500 rounds, and that caliber, quite honestly, should be able to be able to get you through any situation for the most part that you want to deal with in an immediate crisis scenario. And then I talk about a uh, having a possible if you don't have a, a 22 caliber right uh, a pistol, I would say get you one of those pellet guns, the kind that you pump. You know, you get you 500 rounds of uh, 500 pellets, and then you get you a pump-action pellet gun, the kind, you know, a Beeman pellet gun, the kind that can go up to roughly 450 uh, feet per second is what you, we're talking about, something that can kill small guns. And those are great, great survival scenario tools. So for protection, those are the bird sensors right there. We're getting down to the final things here. So miscellaneous things I would recommend having would be some camo duct tape, uh, black uh, garbage bags, you know, for emergency situations, you can use garbage bags to do all kinds of life, life uh, things to help you out. A local map, we talked about that, and I would get a good grade compass. Not, I wouldn't rely on those in-cap compasses to get a good grade compass. I would also have $500 of cash on me, possible credit card if you got it, you never know. Some stress relievers, especially if you're dealing with family members, if you can afford to put a few little card games or something in, in your backpack, you know, something to, to get your mind off the situation when you get to where you're going. And then have an inventory list of the different things you have in your bag. 
so you know what kind of items you should be carrying and what and it's also this helps you put your bag together as you go through buying these items for your bag as you're getting your to go back together. One of the other things, the last thing that we definitely need to make sure we keep in in our bag if at all possible is for a driver's license, passport, birth certificate, marriage certificate even, a list of contact, family members with their pictures. Um you know, and like when I say list of contacts, keep in mind we so relying on our cell phones or smartphones nowadays, most of us don't print out a contact list. Now, if, you're, if your phone is no good, then you're in a situation where you don't have access to your contacts. So you want to have access to your contacts, so you need to print those out. So I always recommend printing out your contacts. So that's that's super important. And then the last thing, again, is having pictures of your family, your immediate family. You want to have pictures of your immediate family because in the event of something happen, you want to be able to identify people. And this helps real good because trying to describe who your family members are, who, who your loved ones are, someone you're trying to reach, doesn't do any good. So you want to have some pictures. And... To me, this is basically the, the the breakdown of what a to-go bag is and these are the kind of things that you should put in a go bag. So the whole idea of what we was covering today is just being prepared for, again, three hours and three days of an event of an emergency situation. And it's something that we should take super serious because not enough of us and not enough in, uh, input and insight is put into being prepared. And we're we're dealing with times now that we're more and more we're seeing non-conventional shifts in our weather patterns. We're seeing situations now that we're, we're dealing with record-breaking scenarios that are happening all across the country, all across the world. And these kind of things are going to possibly become the norm. So if we don't want to uh, to become victims of circumstances, victims of situations, then it only makes sense that we invest the little amount of money that it takes for us to just have these kind of these kind of things in place so that we can deal with again the continuity of our family, our family structure. And as it applies to dealing with black empowerment, you can't practice black empowerment and not be practicing also self preservation. And we want to bring that to a community level. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is for us as a community to start working on having ourselves in a position to where we are addressing it as a community. One of the most saddest things that still exists to this day, and I go back to Katrina, was that when in the midst of what happened, 90-some-odd 90, 90 of the ones that were coming to our aid were not black people. I would, I, would, I would literally say the, the, the great majority of those first responders were not black. And it's been many of times that I went into ham operators meetings, cert meetings, and I'm the only black person. And we don't even have those kind of groups that exist in our black community because we just don't think about that. I don't know many other ham operators, especially here in San Diego. So I want to emphasize the fact that we have to 
recalibrate ourselves in terms of what we deem to be important and essential for us to be a self-determined people. We have to change. So I end by saying we need to develop the appetite for change, the appetite for greatness, the appetite for sustainability, the appetite for self-determination. So in essence, all of this is about emergency planning. All of this is about leading on and up towards the ability for us to be a self-determined people, like our chairman always emphasizes with us. But we can't be self-determined if we're not also preparing ourselves for scenarios that may cause us to have to get out of our normal, you know, domesticated routine in the first place. So let's just wise up, people, and let's prepare. Let's plan. If you want to get at the People's Black Panther Party for more suggestions or, like, uh, websites or different resources that we can get into in terms of emergency preparedness, just hit us up on Facebook, and we'll supply you with that. As well as keep in mind that there are government websites that go into FEMA that go into disaster preparedness to where they give you all kinds of resources and tools. Here in San Diego, they even have an app available that has to do with emergency preparedness. It's a San Diego app. Within that app, it lists local resources for dealing with ham operating, and local resources that it deals with, with with CERT groups, first responders, and it gives you a list, also a, pre, a predetermined list of, of supplies and essentials you can use. The app also goes into the different type of uh, crisis or the, uh, emergencies that may be taken on in, in, in California in general and gives you all kinds of good advice and, 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 and guides in terms of ways that you can prepare. So it's not like the information is not available. It goes back to what I said about the appetite. We have to develop the appetite for wanting to do for self, wanting to do better, wanting to be in, uh, in control of who we are and what we are and what we're about. So I say to you again, we have to develop the appetite to do better. And with that appetite comes the accountability as a people. That'll, that'll be the direction that we head in. So I end the program with all power to the people, black empowerment, and free the land. Let's make this happen. By all means, people.